This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. Coach's Wife Life is brought to you by Ruler of Hope. Ruler of Hope is a nonprofit with the mission of providing support and research for medically fragile children. You can partner with the organization to make a difference for a child battling a critical illness by making a tax-deductible donation at rulerofhope.org. I'm excited to have Becca Luttrell today. Becca is the wife of Seth Luttrell, the head football coach for the University of North Texas. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You guys are rocking it in Denton. Your husband has led North Texas to nine wins for the second straight season. He's the first head coach in school history to take North Texas to three consecutive bowls in the first three seasons. You know, when you hear stuff like that, what do you think are some of the contributing reasons to the success you guys are seeing on the field? Well, I think anytime you see success like that, it um, it takes a village. And I think we have some amazing players who give it all their heart and just play even bigger than they are. And I think we have a great group of coaches who are just very tightly knitted together. And um, we also, when Seth came in, he gave them three core values that this team was going to stand by. And that was to be selfless and to be tough and to be disciplined. And I think he set the standard and everybody kind of just bought in and they all are in it together and they're all just very humble and they don't have big egos and they all are just a great team as a whole. Now I was preparing. I always kind of look through the Wikipedia or the school's websites as I prepare for these interviews. And uh, look, I found something I didn't know. He was a captain of the 2000 Oklahoma Sooner National Championship team. He's been typed all the things written about him. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Now that's the on the field stuff. You see him every day, day in and day out. What do you think makes Seth Luttrell great? I think what makes Seth Luttrell great is he is extremely real. He's probably one of the most genuine people that I've ever met in my life. He's incredibly humble. He never wants it to be about him. Like he always wants to give the credit to somebody else. He's extremely passionate. And even as a young kid, he wasn't ever like the most talented or the best. And he was a wrestler as a kid. And he, for two straight years, he lost every single match and then went to high school and ended up being a two-time state championship wrestler. And as a young boy, he always tells me that his mom always put a football on his hands and said, like, you are going to win a national championship. Like, you are going to be amazing. And he just kind of has that same, like, power of positive thinking that he coaches with and that he speaks that into his players and his other coaches. And despite not being the most talented kid on the field, he was the one that had the heart and belief. Wow. I love that story. Now, you, your road to North Texas has been exciting, different places, um, North Carolina, to be, name one of them. Uh, do you ever just turn around and you're in a crowded stadium? Everyone's going insane. Maybe it's before kickoff. You're seeing him put his headset on, and you just kind of glance down. You pause for a moment, and you think, wow, I just can't believe we do this for a living. <laughs> I think I just think, I'm very grateful. Like, I think you just never know where God's going to lead you. And, you know, in those moments, I just know that we're right where we're supposed to be. 
in that he's painting a picture and it's beautiful and there's valleys and there's peaks, but I'm just extremely grateful to be right where we are. I think one of the reasons why a lot of people listen to this podcast is they love to hear how we meet our husbands, but I'm not going to ask that yet. <laughs> We're going to wait okay. on that. Everyone's going to have to just listen a little bit longer. Hold tight. You may have to stay in your car a little bit before you get out to go to work, but okay. Where did you grow up? Let's hear about you first. So where did you grow up and did you ever see yourself as a coach's wife? <laughs> so oddly enough, Seth and I both grew up in Muskogee, Oklahoma. So we are very proud Okies from Muskogee. And uh, no, I did not ever see myself as a coach's wife. I um, I didn't even, I went to school at the University of Oklahoma and I went to the football games, but I wasn't like one of those people who was like super into it. And I was in school and had just finished my freshman year at OU. And I was home for the summer and I was about to move back to school and move into my sorority house and be in the business school. And I was aspiring to go to law school. And I always thought I would wait a really long time till I got married. Uh, but I guess God just had different plans for me. And so how did you meet Seth? Oh, so how did I meet him? Okay, so I was home for the summer after my freshman year of college, and I was lifeguarding at our little Muskogee Country Club pool, and his mom was, he was in town, he was a graduate assistant at Kansas at the time, so he had already played and moved along and um, wanted to get into coaching, and he was home uh, on vacation, and his mom was like, hey, you need to go over to the pool and say hi to the lifeguard, <laughs> and he was like, really? And so he went over and said hi and introduced himself. And the funny thing is, like, our families have known each other forever. So when I told him, you know, my name's Becca Blackwell, he recognized who I was and was like, oh, goodness, how old are you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, I'm in college. And and anyways, we chatted for a bit. And then his mom, uh, later in the summer, we were both going to the same wedding in Florida. And his mom was like, you're not taking a date. Like, Becca's going to be your date. She's already going to be there. Like, don't even think about it. You're not taking a date. And so we ended up going to this wedding together. And uh, that's kind of how we hit it off. It was kind of like from there, we just kind of started talking. And, you know, everything just happened from there. So your mother-in-law, you won her over first, apparently. <laughs> well, I don't think I even knew I had. But she always said, she was like, that you're who I prayed for. Like, I always prayed that he would marry somebody that was younger than him and that was from the same hometown and you're just who I fight for. So that's what she always told me, which is so sweet. And I guess so. So how long did y'all date? So we dated for three years before we got married. I went back to school and I ended up graduating a semester early and we planned our wedding. And then the first place I moved was Lubbock, Texas. Take me through some of the stops that you guys have been at. Okay, so we got married and we lived in Lubbock. That was the first place we lived when we were married. And uh, go Red Raiders. And then after that, we moved to Tucson, Arizona at the University of Arizona. And then after that, we moved to Bloomington, Indiana, then to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and then to Denton, Texas. Very, very cool. Okay. And you have two children, right? Yes. Very good. Names and ages. Okay. So we have Trip, and he's nine. And then we have Elle and she is six. 
Okay, so we share a special bond. And it's so funny, we talked this week, just kind of in passing, you said something. And it's just kind of sparked this, you know, unique thing that we'll probably share the rest of our lives. We are both yeah. heart mamas. Uh, tell me about your son. And when did you know that he would need open heart surgery? So I was pregnant and we were living in Tucson at the time. And um, I went in to have a ultrasound done because the doctor thought I kind of looked like I was measuring small and it was two weeks before he was born and they noticed like something didn't look right and so you know they said we can't see the four chambers of the heart we need to send you to a cardiologist and it was all really blurry mm -hmm. and um so then I went to the cardiologist and they confirmed that he had transposition of the great arteries which means like your pulmonary artery and your aorta are switched. And so when they're born, they immediately like need to have open heart surgery. And so gratefully, I did have this one sweet lady who I had met, like it was like such a godsend. And I'd met her uh, through another friend and her son had had open heart surgery. And she had a whole book of pictures and everything of what trip would look like and Honestly, I'm forever grateful for her that she showed me that because I don't know that I, I would never, I still wasn't prepared, but I would not have been prepared had I have not seen some of that walking into it. So when he was born, he was immediately intubated and they rushed him to the NICU and um, he wasn't breathing and he stayed in there. So I got to see him about five hours later and uh, he was acting kind of funny when he was like a day and a half old. And so they discovered like he had had a stroke. Mm -hmm. And so he was having these seizures. Wow. And so it was very hard as a mom because you're like, okay, I thought his heart was hurt and now it's his brain. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a very challenging time. And so he didn't really end up having uh, his heart surgery until he was like three weeks old. Mm -hmm. And when he did, they wanted to give his brain time to heal. So when he did, and um, it was like a 10 hour surgery and the doctor came out and, um, he was, we asked him like, how did it go and everything? And he was like, he basically just looked at us and said, now is the time for worry and prayer. Like we need him to make it through the night. And, um, so anyways, that's what we did. A lot of, of course we worried and we did a lot of praying and, um, Honestly, now he's like such a little success story. Um, his surgeon even came to like to our house to his first birthday. Wow. His cardiologist like still says like, he is the reason why my hair is gray. Like mm -hmm. the gray hairs on my head are from trip. When he turns 21, you better bring him back to Tucson so I can have a beer with him. <laughs> and so he's, um, it was just such a crazy time that I wouldn't, you wouldn't ever wish upon anyone as you know, but mm -hmm. it did teach me a lot. I think if someone spends an hour in a CVICU, you're changed forever. I agree. It's the hardest part I can find. I mean, I, I can't describe it to other people, but the alarms don't stop ringing critical. No, they don't. And Sometimes it's eerily quiet and sometimes it's intensely loud and you probably went a long time without holding trip. I would imagine you didn't get to hold him when he was born for a while. And how old do you know? Do you remember? I did. How old? 
he was when you finally and got to hold the him? The first time I got to hold him was, uh, it was, I got to see him five hours later, but the first time I got to hold him was when he was two days old. Mm. And, and I sat there for eight hours. Like I never, and I was nursing at the, or I was pumping, not nursing at the time. And I mean, I just, I, I just sat there because I just didn't, you know, all I wanted to do is, all you want to do is hold your baby. Mm-hmm. You can't fix it. You can't, there's no, nothing you, you can do. Can't. You're helpless. How has that changed you? Well, I think more than anything, like trip definitely has taught me like the true meaning of unwavering faith. And he, without a doubt, has just fueled my passion for prayer. I've always kind of been passionate about prayer and anybody that knows me and is a friend of mine (laughs) knows that. But this situation just ignited it because I had so many people like that I didn't even know that would like tell me like I would call home to our hometown for something and at a random place and they would be like we prayed for your son I mean it was crazy the number of people who just came and supported him and prayed specifically for him I did a caring bridge website when he was sick and I always just posted on there like our specific prayer requests, because that's what I, I believe in praying specific. And I, I posted those and I posted and just one of God's promises. And I was just stood on them because I was like, listen, this is what your word says. And I believe it. Mm-hmm. And if all these other people believe it and they can pray along with us and we can have power in numbers, then I believe in miracles. And you've seen them with your own eyes. Yes. It's powerful. It is very powerful. It kind of changes your whole perspective on life for sure. It does. I think one of the things that's come out of this, I think, I think you go through seasons of things first to me, and this is maybe just my journey. I haven't even spoken to you about this, but the first little bit is just fear and the panic and okay, how do I respond to this? Okay. I'm going to respond in faith. I choose to believe in something that I can't see, even though the doctors are telling me that he or she, mine's a daughter, you know, may not make it. Or this, okay, so what do I believe? I'm going to trust in God's promises. I'm going to trust in him and through whatever outcome that may be. And then you get through that and you come home and you're a full-time nurse. I mean, you, it's hard to explain the medicines they're oh. on and oh, the timing of it. You know, I, it's, they can't cry because they'll turn blue. I mean, do you remember those days? Oh, he came home on a feeding tube that I, you know, had to administer like with a pole and everything, like I had to hang it at the right level, make sure the tube was in his stomach. So he didn't aspirate every time he ate. And, and he also had 10 different medications that I gave him seven different times a day. Mm-hmm. So yes, I definitely felt like a nurse Yes, and it was challenging, but I feel like from the times he was in the hospital for two months. And so when he was there, I felt like, you know, I would wake up in the morning and there would be that one second where I would like, you almost forget, like, you know, you're just waking up Yes. and we would be at the hospital and then I'd be like, okay, this is my reality, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of always tell people, I kind of had to come to Jesus, talk with myself every morning. Like, this is my reality. It's not going to change. And so like, I can either have a wonderful 
attitude about it and have faith, or I cannot. But the outcome is going to be the same because it's whatever God's will is going to be for this situation. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of just chose, like you said, I chose joy every day. I just chose to be positive and I chose to believe that, you know, he could be healed. Mm. I do think it's a choice sometimes. It's a choice of how you're going to carry out your actions. Is this going to define you completely and define you in a good way or it's a crossroads for you? And I think it's one thing that as you move on, I think there's also a tendency after a couple of years to open a door to maybe be a little bit bitter or jealous. Like, well, why do we have to go to the cardiologist all the time? Or why do we have to, why does he have to struggle? Why do I have to worry about his impact sports or things like that? And then it's a constant choice then as well. But then I think after a while, you start to see that everybody goes through things. They may not have it as serious as someone with open heart surgery, but everybody has a challenge that they have to face in life. At some point, they are faced with something they can't control, fear they can't conquer. You know, and what do I do with that? Do you feel the same way? Yes, a hundred percent. And I think that, but I do think that like, to me, that's just like the enemy in our heads. Mm -hmm. Because when you do start to look around, like everybody has something in their backyard they're having to deal with. They might not be as open like we are on a podcast right now talking about it. Right. But they do, you know, because that's just, that's just life. And you're right on like, it's different levels. Like, you know, some may not be as, serious as open heart surgery, but we all walk through different things. And I think that's why, like, when you do walk through something like that, it's important that it does change your perspective. And it reminds you, you know, that life is short and just to really like, you know, look at others in a different way, because you just, you never know what road they're walking on, you know? I agree. And I think it's taught me to be more compassionate of other people too. Oh yeah, for sure. What do you think you relied on the most in those moments? Oh, without a doubt, like the Lord. I mean, there's no, like, there's no other thing. I mean, our family, yes, was there a hundred percent to support us. I mean, my, my parents, Seth's parents came and did not leave like for seven weeks and, and they were there and our staff was there. Like so many people were there for us, but at the end of the day, like, I couldn't tell you this story without just telling you of like the grace and love of Jesus and just standing on faith mm. because at the end of the day, that's what, that's what Tripp taught me. Like that's what he continues to teach me is that just have faith. Do you think it's changed Seth as well? Continuing to grow in a positive way. I know it's changed Joshua as well. My husband. I don't think anybody that was real close to that situation could walk through it and say it didn't change him. I mean, I think the same thing, like just changes your perspective. It changes your, your empathy for others. You know, like it's, it's a whole new set of glasses you have on. It is for sure. Now, this is our tough question. I ask it pretty much on my podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to asking you because I feel like you handle so many different things, different aspects to this, but you've been a backbone of a highly successful coach. And you've also handled this on the side. This is probably priority and you're probably spread a little bit thin, but what do you think you've done to contribute to his success and your success as a family? There's some things that if you brag on yourself a little bit, but help us out. Because I think my podcast listeners are kind of coming here for support and ideas. 
Well, if I had to say something to the listeners, I would just say, girls, get on your knees and pray. Because if there's one thing I feel like I do and I, I have done, and honestly, God has done through me is just pray. Like I, I pray specifically every day over our family, over our players, over our coaches, and our coaches' wives have Bible study, and we pray for players individually, and I pray for our future and our children. And I mean, heck, I'll be the first to tell you, I even pray we'll win the game. <laughs> I always say, you know what? God can tell me no. That's but right. like, how will I ever know if I don't ask? So by golly, I say, Lord, if it's your will, like, please help that receiver to catch that ball and just make it into the end zone. That's right. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I just truly believe that like, God wants to be your friend. Like he wants a relationship with you. And a friend is someone who like, they share their worries. They share their concerns. They cast all your cares upon him, you know? And so, you know, I'm sure there's little details or whatever. I don't know what my husband would say that I do, but there's one thing I, if there's one thing I could tell you that I, I do that I feel like changes life is just that I, I pray and I pray about everything. I love it. Wow. This is so empowering. Are there some things that you think people will be surprised to know about coaches, wives and things that we handle on a daily basis? I think really, I mean, probably the most surprising thing is I can't tell you, okay, let's see. One time we were living in Chapel Hill and, um, you know, I move into the house and I'm very, very outgoing and I go make friends and I have like all these old neighborhood friends and my kids have friends and I'm hanging out with these people like, you know, all week long. And then all of a sudden, I guess it was like six months later and Seth was with me this time and they were like, hi, is this Seth? And I was like, what? You haven't met Seth? Like, I had no idea. Like, I, so I guess like that's an interesting fact is, you know, sometimes we just go along about our life and forget like, the, you know, they have never met him before. Like I just had gotten to know him and assumed somehow they met on down the way. And I mean, I'll never forget that because it cracked me up because we'd lived there for half a year and we've never met Seth. <laughs> that's awesome. And so, that's true right there. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's like an interesting fact that like, you know, yes, we often have to work on Christmas and Christmas Eve. So, you know, people always say that to me. They're like, you might have to work on Christmas. And I'm like, well, yes, there's bowl games. I mean, if we're gone, we're, we could be at, you know, in a hotel and they're like, what? I mean, they just can't believe it. But I'm like, yeah. you watch these games on TV and stuff. Yeah. But anyways, so those would be a few things I would just say that, you know, I'm sure people would know if they really thought about it, but just don't see it, you know. Right. My favorite question is, so when the season's over, is he done? Like, oh yeah, he's just done. He comes home for the rest of the year. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, no, that's recruiting. (laughs) That is when recruiting starts. It's actually even harder than football season. (laughs) Yeah. You're like the season, at least it's the same thing every week. This is like, you know, a little more traveling, a lot more traveling. And, and yes, it is. People do say that to me too. That's funny. It is. Do you guys have traditions you do after a win? Are you a big cook? Do you cook a big dinner? You order pizza? What do you guys do? You know what? Here we've ordered a lot of pizza. <laughs> and our tradition would probably be we all, I normally try to make it down to the field unless I'm like and give them a big hug, unless I'm in the bathroom praying because it came down to the last minute. <laughs> but I normally have like 16 
anywhere from like 16 to 20 people staying in our house every day. Oh my god. Just because family, friends, and they all stay with me and I love it. Like we love it and Seth loves it. And so we all end up uh, going to his office after the game and we cheer for him when he comes in and then um, come back to the house and, you know, we order pizza and just talk about it and watch, you know, game day, just the, you know, all the highlights. And uh, then, you know, if it's a really good win, I'm always like, then Seth and the kids stays on the kitchen countertop. But that's only <laughs> happened a few times when it was a really close one. We, we definitely took pictures. But uh, that's what we do. I mean, these we're pretty simple. Pretty good. I love it. <laughs> it's pretty common for people to order pizza after a game. You got to think about some of these um, pizza delivery people that were like, I think I just delivered it to the head coach's oh, yeah. family at North Texas. Like, don't you know that? Oh, uh, yes. They recognize don't start it. saying, nice game, coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We hope that's what they're saying. If exactly. not, they're like, all right, have a good night. Yeah, I know. Okay, thanks. I feel like there's no pressure like a head coach's wife pressure. I mean, it's a lot. You don't win every game. There's highs, there's lows. Are there things that you try to remind Seth of during the actual low times of this, of these seasons? Yes. I mean, but I honestly feel like he's pretty good about, you know, reminding himself of this and this is how he feels. But I always tell him that this does not define you. Like at the end of the day, like whether you win or lose does not define you. Like it's the person you are. It's your walk with God. It's the relationships you have. Like those are the legacy. It's not the game. And as much as we love to win and we hate to lose, it doesn't define you. You're exactly right. Absolutely. Now you've been assistant wife for a while and then a head coaching head coaches. This is your first head coach's wife role, correct? Yes. Here at North Texas. Yes. So I bet there are some things you're like, I can't wait to do this for my staff. Are there some things you've been able to do that you've kind of been excited about doing for your wives? Yes. I feel like everywhere I went, like, you know, you kind of like pick up this from this from Arizona and this from Indiana and this from um, North Carolina. And so Yes, we have a lot of fun together. My favorite thing that the staff does and really the coaches' wives is I love that we do Bible study together. Like it, we have it at my house every Thursday and um, it just really brings us closer together in such a like deeper way. Like there's no, like there's no closer way I feel like to be to somebody like when you're sitting there praying for them just on specific levels, it's just a whole new ball game. And so I love that we do Bible study together. And then every Sunday we have cookie night and we bring all the uh, players cookies. And I got that from Arizona. We did that in Arizona. And uh, so we pass out cookies. Molly is our defensive coordinator's wife and she makes the famous brookies, which are half brownies, half cookies, and they are gone in a flash. So she's the most popular cookie. She makes it. And um, then after that, we stay and the kids come to practice and everything like that. And then we stay and eat dinner in the offices and it's fun. It's just like a big family and they're all running around. And so we do that. And then every month we go to um, lunch and or dinner and celebrate all the birthdays. And we also uh, volunteer at a place called Serve Denton. And it's a place where they have a Wheeler house. And um, the Wheeler House houses four moms who 
basically they've kind of been like abandoned and they're homeless and they have it's four moms and their children at a time. And uh, we've had the privilege of just like kind of getting to help them. And we, we decorate the Wheeler house for Christmas and then we do the gifts and all that kind of stuff so they can have just an awesome time as they're trying to get back on their feet. Mm, that is special to me. When you serve together, that's a whole nother level. I absolutely love it. It's awesome. So do you have a coach's wife mentor? Definitely. Oh my goodness. My girl, Christy Fedora, like don't know what I would do without her. She is the person who literally, she was the first head coach's wife that I had ever seen like have a Bible study at her house. Mm -hmm. When I had been on other staffs, we'd had Bible studies, but they weren't ever like, you know, they were kind of on the side Mm -hmm. and the way she led us like spiritually and just as a class act example, I mean, it's just something you can't forget. I mean, to this day, I still call her and I'm just like, oh goodness, here's my situation. What do you think? And so, and I mean, she just, I still have her pray for me. Like I just, I adore her and her family so much and just have the utmost respect for, you know, the way they live their life. I met them a couple of weeks ago. I had her on my podcast and her daughter came on uh, for the Mother's Day special and talked about her mom. I mean, I just cried. It was special. Just amazing family for sure. Oh, yes. Was it Sydney? Yeah, Sydney. Uh, she may be one of like the most hilarious people I've ever met. <laughs> she is hysterical. And I do. I think she's really special, but she makes me laugh. Now, I heard you mention cookie night. So what are some things that you like to do for his players just to let them know that they mean to, more to you guys than uh, the number they wear and that they're part of your family, really? Well, it's going back to my good theme of prayer. But um, when we first got here, me and our offensive coordinator's wife at the time, which is Brittany Harrell, she's now at USC. And um, and she, we were just like sitting there racking our brains and we were like, of course, we love them and we have them over for dinner. And of course, you know, all each position coach, you know, has them over and does that kind of thing. And we get together and do fun activities together. But we were like, we just want them to know, like, we love them. Like, we love them so much. Like, we, we pray for them. Like, we care about them beyond football, you know. Mm -hmm. And so she actually kind of came up with the idea and then we kind of figured out how to do it. But we put, um, each year I just go talk to the team and, you know, tell them how much I believe in prayer and kind of a little bit about our son and his story. And, um, then we, you know, tell them, Hey, we're going to put this prayer box in the locker room. And so it has little sheets of paper in it. And we were like, listen, we will pray for you about anything. Like every week when we meet for Bible study, like, we'll pray you, if you're worried about your grades, we'll pray if you get an A on the test. Like, if, you're, if your family member's sick, we'll pray for you about that. Like, this isn't, you know, this is about life. And so, you know, it was kind of scary at first, I'm not going to lie, because, I mean, I'm so used to, I'm very outgoing, so used to talking to, you know, girls and women, but, like, to go talk to all those big boys, all of them gathered around me, I'm like, oh, man, this is a little <laughs> intimidating. Right. But, um, you know, it was awesome because the first year we did it, like we had like 17 prayer requests. Wow. And I mean, you would have like, we were in Bible study crying our eyes out mm. because it was like the most specific prayers, mm. like that you would never have even dreamed like that these big boys, like, you know, these awesome players are like, just have such a 
such a tenderness. They have things, obviously, and you know they have things they're walking through, but you just, to see them put it on paper was just like, I mean, it was beyond. So that's a tradition like we've continued to do. And, um, you know, I feel like it just makes them know, like they know that every week we're thinking about them, that we're praying for them. And a lot of times, you know, if there's a specific one, we will leave them notes in their locker and just say, you know, hey, we've been praying for you about this and we believe this is going to happen. And here's a, here's a verse if you want to, you know, lean on it and that kind of stuff just to encourage them. That's powerful. That is absolutely powerful. Now, how do you guys stay connected during the season? Do you have a standing date night or a lunch date? Yes. So during the season, every Thursday we have steak night. So that consists of Seth grills out steaks and I make, um, we call them mean green muscle beans, but they're green (laughs) beans with a lot of brown sugar in them and uh, sweet potatoes and just stuff like sweet potatoes with butter and jalapenos in them. Oh, and I know. And then we make these onion things that we learned from some friends of ours from Georgia. And so like every Thursday we eat the same meal. And after that, we normally take a golf cart ride and we live on a golf course. So sometimes like the kids go put on the green and that kind of thing. But uh, by the end of the season, let me just tell you, I am done with steak. (laughs) I'm like, woo. I don't know if I can eat this meal anymore, but of course I don't tell them that, but yes, that's how I'm feeling. So, uh, so that's kind of like one of our traditions. And do you ever get any downtime Two young children, head coaches, wife in the FBS program? Do you ever get in a moment alone? Well, yes, I do now because my sweet younger one, she started kindergarten this year. And so this was my first year where they were like gone to school all day. So it's kind of sad, but it was kind of good. And then, um, then also in the summers as a family, we uh, have a cabin on the river in Oklahoma. It's actually in Tahlequah, which is like 20 minutes from our hometown. And uh, that would be like our favorite place to get away. We kind of were toying with what do we want to do? Where do we want to go in the summer? Because that's where, and um, that's when coaches get like a big chunk of time off and so anyways, we just decided there's nothing better than to teach your kids, you know, our roots and kind of where we came from and have that as something they can always have. And so it's it's a neat little community and there's a group of people out there who have cabins and I don't know, it's hard to compare it to anything because it's really not fancy. A lot of people say it's like camp for kids and adults and they would compare it to dirty dancing, but, um, but it's it's just a great place and we have wonderful friends out there and we're close to both grandparents and, and it's just an awesome time for us to kind of unwind. So what do you enjoy doing when you're at home? So when we're at home, Seth and I really like to watch TV. Like that's kind of how we unwind at the end of the day. So uh, we have shows and we kind of get hooked on them. So we love America's Got Talent. We love our new one that we loved so much that we watched on Netflix that I would say is definitely what we binge watch would have been all American. All right. His little niece introduced us to that. And uh, I know, and it was really good one. It was a football show. And uh, we love like 
Manifest is a new one that we watched at Blind Spot. We like kind of all the thriller, like FBI, you know, those kind of high action shows. But that is definitely like what we do after we put the kids to bed. What do you think are some of the most rewarding aspects to being a coach's wife? I think mostly it would just be that like you are set in a place where like you get to change people's lives. Like whether that's the coaches' wives around you or the players or even, you know, the kids of the coaches, no matter who it is, like you're in an environment where you're all together and you're all a family and you just are set there to be able to encourage and uplift and, you know, help people believe that they can, you know, they can do anything, you know, with God's help. Absolutely. You ready for some fast five questions? Okay. I'm ready. What's the last book you've read? The last book I read was The Grave Robber by Mark Batterson. He's a good author. He's phenomenal. Oh, he's one of my favorites. What's your favorite fast food place? Definitely Taco Bueno. Oh, that's what I grew up on. It's my favorite. Not everybody (laughs) has that in the country. Kind of jealous. Oh, I know. I've lived in states where Taco Bueno was not available. But when I made it to Muskogee, I went to Taco Bueno. Everyone has a few things that might need to be replacing around the house. It's in our closet. It's in the garage. What do you need to throw away? What's the ugliest thing that you own? Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know if this is the ugliest thing, and this is going to sound kind of silly, but... Uh, I was in my closet the other day with uh, Brittany Harrell and it was before she was moving to go to USC and I was giving her anything red or gold I had. I was like, just go wear it girl. And so uh, anyways, she pulled out a pair of sunglasses and she was like, what are these? Like, I do not ever see you wearing these. And I was like, Brittany, I know, I know. I was like, those, Seth saw me when we were dating. <laughs> and so when Seth and I were dating, like years ago, he was like, what do you, what do you want for, I think it was for Christmas. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, no, tell me, like, if you could have anything, what, what do you want? And I was like, well, I really want a pair of Chanel sunglasses, which I thought was kind of a long shot. I did not think they were coming. And, um, but I didn't tell him which ones or anything like that. Like, I just was like, you know, I'd love to have a pair of Chanel sunglasses. I've never had those. And so anyways, he bought me this pair that is so blinged out, <laughs> which if you know me, I'm a very like, like, I love like black, white, gray, you know, taupe, like those kind of colors right? and green, of course, because it's in my wardrobe. But like, I mean, they were very blinged out. And from the time I got them, I was always like, I don't really think this is what I was thinking. But of course, like I pretended like I loved them mm-hmm. the whole time. <laughs> and so anyways, it was just funny because I mean, that was like 12 years ago. Oh, yeah. No, it would have been like 15 because we were dating. So like 15 years ago. <laughs> oh, and so I still have them. And oh, like, yeah. I just don't see you in these. And I was like, I know. I was like, but I keep them because I want to remember that story. Like, I just think it's sweet. And I want, like, I want to remember, you know, I, I think it's always important to remember where he came from. It is. So, so do you think yep. he would think, do you think he knows it's the ugliest thing you own? 
I don't know if it's the ugliest thing I own, but it's just, it reminded me of that because she was like, holy cow, what are these? <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping this, but I don't know. I'm sure I own some uglier stuff. <laughs> I'm just messing up. I hope this doesn't start a fight, you know, like, oh, I think he would laugh by now because that's, that's been, you know, many gifts ago. So I'm pretty sure he would, he would laugh. If you could have a superpower, what would that be? Definitely to fly. I mean, who would not want to fly? I mean, I just feel like anytime you can look at things from a different perspective, it can always just change the way you look at life. So I just think, you know, it would be fun to fly. Quick ways back home, go on vacation, away games. <laughs> exactly. You would be very efficient, right? Right. Grab the kids. Let's go. There you go. Well, hopefully they'd be able to fly too. <laughs> <laughs> I love these hypotheticals. Okay. Thank you so much, Becca, for your sharing your story. Just a lot of wisdom, a lot of depth to your answers. I'm really grateful that we had a chance to meet. Thank you for sharing so openly, candidly, and strong on your faith. Oh, thank you so much. I was glad to do it. Coach's Wife Life is brought to you by Ruler of Hope. Ruler of Hope is a nonprofit with the mission of providing support and research for medically fragile children. You can partner with the organization to make a difference for a child battling a critical illness by making a tax-deductible donation at rulerofhope.org. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Live podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.